May the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. Uh, my mum uh, is part of a house group down in Waikanae and they take it in turns to host that house group. And I think they look at the, one of the readings that's coming up in the next, uh, the following Sunday. And she's really happy to host these events, but she really doesn't like having to lead the Bible study. Because whoever hosts the house group has to lead the Bible study. So every now and again I get a phone call from her just asking if what she's about to say about that passage is vaguely right. And about three years ago, when we last had the parable of the Good Samaritan, she rang me to check that this was indeed a story about how to be neighbourly and the importance of being neighbourly, which is, I suspect, how it is often understood. And in some ways today's Gospel reading is, well, all about being neighbourly. But as the little video said, who are we being neighbourly to? Who is my neighbour? That is the question. Who is my neighbour? That is the question we are forever struggling with. Last weekend, Pauline Hanson was returned to the Australian Senate with her One Nation Party. And her policy platform is very clear about who her neighbour is. Her neighbour is white non-Muslim Australian. And everyone else is not her neighbour. And, she would say, deserves her and our suspicion and contempt. So she wants a royal commission into Islam, no more refugees, especially those nasty Muslim refugees, and limited immigration. Except, of course, if you're white which is all just so sad and a little bit frightening. And it's not just Australia. We see the same thing happening in America. That's basically Trump's policy platform, but in an American context. And it was certainly those kind of issues were part of the Brexit vote in the UK a couple of weeks ago. Those same issues of the UK is our neighbours are white like us. And we don't want all these other people here, these non-white, non-British people. They are not our neighbours. It's a very narrow view about who my neighbour is and who my neighbour is not. And while we don't have those opinions articulated quite so clearly on the political front, they are there in this country. You just have to read the letters to the paper or go online to read the comments on Facebook or uh, on Sun Live. Exactly those same comments. A very narrow understanding of who our neighbour is. And in some ways I can understand that. I mean it's so much easier when people like me are my neighbour. People who look like me and sound like me who speak the same language as me, who dress the same way as me, sort of, who act like me, kind of, and believe, sort of, the same things as me. When it's like me, it's just easier, isn't it? It's easier to assume that people like me are the good guys. That's Pauline Hanson. We're the good guys. 
they're not. So we should look after the good guys. And if we're the good guys, then well, I don't have to pay attention to those who are not the good guys. I don't have to pay attention to their issues because, well, they probably brought it on themselves anyway. And I don't have to be a good neighbour to them. In fact, I can vilify them. And I can withhold any generosity or mercy. And it just feels safer that way. Those same divisions were there in Jesus' time. In fact, they were probably worse. There was a lot of animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans. And it went way back, way back to the time of Solomon. So that's about a thousand years of animosity. That's a lot of animosity brewing away. Your turn's coming, Elliot. The Jews, well, they just saw themselves as vastly superior. They were not as polluted with non-Jewish blood. They continued to worship at the temple in Jerusalem. And they had really kept the law of Moses, the Torah. They had been devoted to it. Not like those nasty Samaritans up north who hadn't married with non-Jews after the Assyrian invasion. Of course, the Jews are forgetting that King David, King David's grandmother was a Moabite, but we'll just not worry about that. And, well, they had abandoned the temple in Jerusalem and had set up their own places of worship in Bethel and Dan, and then Samaria. And who knows who they were praying to. It was probably idol worship. You've got to remember that all the stuff we read from the First Testament, that was all written from the southern point of view. And they did not like those Samaritans up north, those ten lost tribes. And their understanding of the Torah, well, they just sneered at that. And at times, extremists on both sides would escalate this animosity and it would explode into outright, outright hatred where both Jews and Samaritans would do horrendous things to each other, like desecrate the temple in Jerusalem. But, oh, there was also our third group in there, the Gentiles, those of Greek descent who had been there for 300 years, who had arrived with Alexander the Great and with the Seleucids. And, well, if there was one thing that Jews and Samaritans could agree on, it was that those Gentiles were pagans and were the bottom of the heap. And so these three groups who really didn't like each other, but they all had to kind of live with each other because they were all stuck in this one place together. And most of the time they achieved that. But the animosity just bubbled away under the surface. And we saw that a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? When Jesus set his face to Jerusalem and headed off and he said sent off some disciples and said, go to that Samaritan village and see if we can stay there. So, willing to go and stay at the village. But the Samaritans said, look, you're not really interested in coming and teaching us and healing our people. You're just using us as accommodation on your way down to Jerusalem. And we really don't like Jerusalem. Like, it's the pits. So, no thank you. Find somewhere else to stay. And so... James and John say to Jesus, Lord, can we have permission to call down fire from heaven onto that village? I mean, they were just itching for an excuse. That animosity is bubbling away just under the surface. 
So what does Jesus do with all of this? When in Luke, he tells the story. Now, we usually just tell the story of the Good Samaritan. And we forget. It's even in our Bibles, cut off from the first half. In the Bible I was reading, Great Commandment, Good Samaritan. Like, these are two different things. But they're actually all part of the same story. And so, as we heard, a lawyer came to Jesus to trap him. A lawyer, an expert in the Torah. And he wanted to show just how ignorant Jesus was. How misguided people were listening to him. And so he asked him, what must he do to inherit eternal life? Now, he is not talking about getting into heaven. He is talking about inheriting the promise of God to the people of God, which is all about this world at the end of times. And he and just about everyone else in Judea and Samaria at the time believed they were living in the end of times. This is a real question. What must I do to inherit the promises of God pretty much now? And so Jesus, he does what he normally does, and he turns it around and says, I don't know, what's your reading of the law? How do you understand it? Well, that was a bit of a twist, wasn't it? He was trying to get the answer out of Jesus, and now he has to answer it. So he gives a really good answer, because he is, after all, a lawyer. Uh, a lawyer, somebody who knows about the Torah. And so he quotes two pieces out of, the, out of the Torah and says, You should love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind, by and loving your neighbour as yourself. And Jesus, who was the person being questioned, and was the person a little bit under the pump from the, the lawyer who thought himself as much superior, is now the person in the superior position, because he's now the one that gets to say, that's a very good answer. Good on you. Well, if you lived it out, you will inherit eternal life. Off you go now. Good job. Well, that didn't work, did it? The lawyer's lost a bit of face. He's lost a bit of ground. And Jesus has snuck out from under his trap. So he asks a second question. A really simple question. Who is my neighbour? Now there are some very clear answers to this. And those answers are pretty much in line with what Pauline Hanson and Donald Trump would have to say about this issue. Our neighbours are people like me, fellow good guys. And the trouble is... The lawyer and everyone who's listening to this conversation knows that Jesus does not follow those rules. He keeps mixing with people that are not in that group of good guys. With people who are bad guys. On the outside. So he is hoping that Jesus gives them a clear answer. And then the lawyer can say, why don't you follow the law then? Or Jesus gives his answer, in which case he can critique his answer. But Jesus again sneaks out. And he tells the story that we know. A shocking story. How many of you were shocked by it? Not many. We are so familiar with it. We no longer are shocked by it. But those people listening to it, and those people reading it in Luke's Gospel, they would have been appalled by the story. Why? Because in Jesus' story, the good guys, in fact the super good guys, the priests at the temple, you can't get much gooder than that. Well, 
the upholders of temple law become the bad guys. Not for disobeying Torah, but by obeying Torah. By obeying the letter of Torah which says, This man, who knows what that man was? Was he a Jew? Or a Samaritan? Or a Gentile? We don't know. Jesus doesn't say. And the only people in the story who are going to know are the man and the robbers. Because the robbers leave him naked and unconscious. And the two ways you can tell who somebody is, is by the way they dress and how they speak. It's still true today. You go to the Middle East, when I was in Jerusalem, you could tell who the Palestinian women were, because the hijab has come back in. It disappeared for a while, but it's come back as a mark of, we are Palestinian. And when you go into a shop, you just look around, and you look at the clues about which thank you you should use. Shukron for a Palestinian shop, Toda for a Jewish shop. And if you get that wrong, you are in trouble. Either way, got to look for the markers. But the markers are missing in the story. There are no markers. So, one of the really good guys obeys Torah and does what Torah says and avoids this who knows who he is on the road. And so does a Levite, another good guy. And then, well, the Samaritan suddenly becomes the good guy. Now, Samaritans aren't good guys. In, well, they are in the Samaritan's book, but not in any of the listeners of Jesus' book. They are right out. The Samaritan, the same people, less than half a chapter earlier, like just before this reading, James and John were wanting to pour fire from heaven on. So it's not just the people listening to Jesus who don't like Samaritans. James and John don't like them. They want them consumed. So who is the neighbour? Well, not people like the lawyer. Not people who obeyed Torah. In fact, the neighbour was the one who disobeyed Torah, the law of Moses. The one who dressed and spoke and acted differently. The one who was an outsider. The one we should be suspicious of. And vilify. And he is a neighbour not by birth, not by family relationships, not by religion, or even by obeying Torah, all of which were ways that one could be a neighbour. He is a neighbour because he shows mercy. Jesus changes the rules. And most of the time, we don't even notice. Our neighbours are the ones who show us mercy. And we become neighbours when we show mercy to others. Neighbours aren't people like us, but are all those in need. All those in need. Whatever their race, their beliefs, their status. No matter whether they are part of the good guys or the bad guys. All are our neighbours. Which, from which all means, from the point of view of Jesus and this story, Pauline Hanson and Donald Trump and everyone who try to put a really tight fence around these are our neighbours and these aren't, these are the good guys and these aren't, all those who call for an 
for no refugees, all those who want an end to Muslim immigration, all those who see themselves as good guys and everyone else as bad, all of them are ignoring what Jesus said and have got it oh so wrong. So what about us? Well, the minute we think they're the bad guys, Pauline Hanson and Donald Trump, we're kind of falling into exactly the same trap that they've fallen into. Because we're then building fences and saying, well, they've got it wrong and we've got it right, so we're good guys and they're bad guys. And what Jesus was trying to do was just break down those walls and say, you know what, all of us are a little bit good and a little bit bad. And we're just going to have to keep struggling with this. And we are going to get it wrong. But as long as we recognise that we're getting it wrong and keep going, then we're, then we're on the track. But when we think, well, we're right and they're wrong, then we're doing exactly the same thing. We cease to be a neighbour. So as people of the way, people who walk the way of Jesus, the ones we are the ones who are to live out the shocking and hard story. And if, it will, and if we're honest, it will call into question a whole lot of our ideas about who we are and who our neighbours are. In about, ooh, I don't know, five minutes, we're going to baptise Elliot Grace. And we're going to do so with this story ringing in our ears. The story which talks about unearned compassion and enormous generosity. This story which shakes up the very fabric of our societies. Which calls us to be generous neighbours and accept the generosity of others towards us. I think that's the, one of the hardest bits actually. We keep reading this in terms of offering generosity to others like we're the people in control but actually to accept generosity when we're no longer in control that's even harder I think so as we baptise Elliot we are declaring God's unearned and unending love for her and in doing so we are declaring her to be a member of God's church part of the people who are to live out God's unearned love for all. So we will baptise Elliot in hope that she will grow up immersed in the generosity and compassion we find in this story. That she will be marked by this story, knowing that all people are her neighbour, because all people are the children of God.